So, a uh, little project I've had going on the last few weeks, right, three weeks. We, uh, we bought another piece of ground. Anyways, my kids and I decided that we wanted more of me than, than the kids kind of went along with it. We decided we wanted to build a cabin on this piece of land, a few hundred acres. And uh, bare ground didn't have nothing on it. So we went to, to building this cabin. It's about 16 foot wide, about 20 foot long. And uh, it's got a loft up, kind of an upstairs that, uh, not a big, you know, but, well, to be right honest with you, the top of it in the middle at the, at the peak, you can stand up at six foot tall, unless you're over six feet, then you can't. But the, the walls shorten up to about four foot on the sides, but it's, we got, got some beds up there, and then downstairs, we got a little, we got a wood stove in there, and, and it's kind of an off-grid cabin, uh, don't have no electricity in it or nothing, but anyways, we, we used all, all wood on the inside and everything, and then on the outside for the side, and we built it all out of wood, but for the side, and we, we put, uh, tin on it all around, like metal, metal roofing and metal siding, and, uh, Mostly just because I was being a tight ass and didn't want to spend all that money. It's high lumber, and of course, steel's high too. Probably, probably one of the worst times ever to build anything is right now. But the reason that I wanted to do it was for a place to have some memories with my kids because when you're kids, you don't really realize the value of a moment until it becomes a memory. And so we're getting the inside of this thing done and got this old picture. My wife thinks it's kind of dumb. My dad gave me, when I was 14 years old, I was tired of sharing a bedroom with my brother and we had an unfinished basement at our house. So my dad and I made a little project that winter and we framed it up out of rough cut lumber from Jensen Lumber there in Ovid, Idaho, come out of the mountains there, Bear Lake Valley. The timber did. And uh, we built my own bedroom downstairs. And it was it was kind of a kind of a neat little bedroom, you know. And, and it was a project that my dad and I had, and I learned a lot from my dad about building through this little project. We framed it in, got the studs up on the walls, and we sheetrocked it, and uh, we taped and textured the walls, and uh, did it all with very limited supply tools. I think, I, I can't remember. I think we even cut all the boards by hand with a handsaw. Miter box. Anyways, we framed in the doorway and we got some nice wood trim and we put a dark stain on it. Got some nice closet doors and put a dark stain on them. And my grandmother and I got an armor dresser uh, and it had a closet in it as well. My grandma wanted me to have an armor. And so my grandmother and I stained it and made it real nice. We put carpet in there. And my grandma gave me a bed to put down in there, my own bed. My brother and I, Dustin and I, had bunk beds. And uh, it was a neat project for me and my dad when I was 14. Well, my dad gave me a picture to hang up in my bedroom. And, and the picture's actually funnier than hell. It's an old Boots Reynolds paint signed by Boots Reynolds. It's number 477 out of 500. And it's of a cowboy in a hell of a wreck. And this old cowboy's got a cow rope, and he's tied on. He ain't now He's tied on, and he's got this old herd of cow rope around the horns. And the cow's headed south, and he's headed west. Rope jerked under the horse's tail, and that horse is fly out bucking. 
and the old the old timer in the picture is is uh, dogs barking at the cow and got a little rattlesnake under a rock, you know, with his eyes bulging out of his head like what the hell's going on, and, and the old timer dentures are flying out of his teeth, out of his mouth, and and uh, it, 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 the horse has got about six different brands on him that you can see on the one side, it's a big ball face sorrel horse just bucking like hell, his shoes are about coming off, and and it's funnier, it, the picture's funnier than hell, and my dad, he took, we had an old barn that Ruth caved in on that my great-granddad built, and so my dad tore that barn down, and he saved some of that old barn wood, and he built a picture frame, and he framed up that picture, and he gave it to me from my new bedroom. And for some damn dumb reason, we've been able to hang on to that picture for 27 years now. And uh, it stayed in that bedroom until uh, I went and kind of, after my wife and I got married, my mom and dad's place was really no longer home. Uh... I went and took some things out of that bedroom, and that picture was one of them things. And it's never really been hung up in any of our houses since. It's just kind of been tossed in a corner of a storage closet or something, and the picture had come out of the frame and, and everything. So I I actually resurrected that picture in that cabin today, and I hung it up on that cabin wall. And it reminded me of the good times that my dad and I had that winter building that bedroom. And and working on that, we put in electrical work, you know. And, and I had I had a radio station down there, and I had this radio. And for some damn dumb reason, you could put a put a coax cable into the back of the where the antenna would go. And that coax cable was hooked to our television antenna that was up on the roof of the house, and I could pick up a real live country music station 104.3 out of Salt Lake City, Utah. And I could lay there in my bed, and I could listen to that old 1980s, 1990s country. That was that was that was what I loved as country music. I was obviously a big George Strait fan. If you're a George Strait fan, you're probably got something a little bit wrong with you. Big Randy Travis fan. Uh, those those were probably my two favorites: was George Strait and Randy Travis. And I used to lay down there in my bed at night, and my bedroom was right underneath my parents' bedroom. And if I turn the radio up too loud at night, my mom or my dad would stomp on the floor and announce the signal to turn the radio down. I used to love to listen to that country music and that radio that would come in from, from clear down from Salt Lake City, Utah, which is about 160 or 70 miles south of that stuff. South, anyways, mostly south. Uh, we lived there. That was in Montpelier, Idaho. My mama still lives there in that house. A lot of fond memories there. So my, my sons and I have been building this cabin, and it's been a real, real neat learning experience for them. And, and uh, we made this thing up pretty nice. Like I said, we got a nice little old wood stove in there. I, well, it's new. I ordered it from Tractor Supply, but it looks kind of sits up on four legs. It doesn't, doesn't have no new modern look to it. It's just an old-fashioned wood stove. It ain't got a blower on it. And uh, there's something soothing about sitting next to a fire. I just something I've always loved, and, and uh, we built that fire today actually, and we got that stove put in there, and we kind of get everything tidied up on that cabin, and, and we actually had our first dinner out there tonight, and my wife cooked up good old homemade hamburgers on the grill there. We got a barbecue grill on the front porch, and, and uh, we just 
Hey, little supper right there in our, in our new little cabin, our own little piece of piece of ground there in Wilbarger County, Texas. And uh, really, really don't know if my sons can appreciate how proud I am of them watching them turn into man by building this cabin. You know, and I mean, you're going to get slivers and blisters on your hands. And you're going to get tired. It kind of sucks putting up all that wood up on the ceiling and on the walls and cutting three things, one thing three times. But it, it's a really, really, really good thing for them to learn. Now, I have a, a four-bedroom home. It's not a great big home. It's 2,100 square feet, but it's it's new and it's modern. And uh, it's got a living room in the front. It's got a family room in the back. It's got a nice little mud room and a walk-in area for washer and dryer. It's got a great big kitchen. It's real nice for my wife, but... You know, I was sitting there thinking about that cabin tonight, and I was thinking about our family, and I was thinking about how we are and what we do. And even though we've got multiple bedrooms and multiple family rooms and living rooms, all the luxuries that a modern family would have, pretty much, uh, we all kind of generally congregate in the back family. It's just, just where we always end up. No matter, and it ain't a very big room. It's probably 12 foot wide and 18 foot long. But, but we all end up there. We got a couple couches in there. And I got my my little workbench in there where I built hack mowers and rivals and what have you. And even though we got a lot of other bedrooms and everybody has their own place to be, everybody's kind of always together. And I got thinking about, you know, if, if we would have built that cabin 100 years ago, 150 years ago, 100 years ago to me, when I think 100 years ago, I think of 1880. And maybe that's because I was born in 1980, and so that's just, just how my clock ticks. It's hard for me to imagine that 100 years ago was 1922. And so when I think 100 years ago, if a family would have had out on the prairie, if a family would have had that cabin that we built with two floors in it, Nice wood stove, one of area, good wood floors up and down. Uh, it would have been considered a luxury. It would have been considered a pretty nice little house. And you know, all we really do in the house is eat, go to bed. I mean, because we're we're outdoor people, we're outside all the time. We're we got a ranch and I run a full time horse operation, train cutting horses all day long, and you know, a few hundred cows to run. And so we're always always working. We're always busy. We're always, there's always fencing to do. When you run a ranch, a big, you know, lots of ground, um, we run our cattle on thousands of acres. I mean, you're never done fencing. You're never done checking cattle. You're never done doctoring cattle. You're never done, you know, pulling bulls, putting bulls back in, checking cows. There's always something more to, even though you're as diligent as you can, can be, seems like there's always another calf to tag. There's always another calf to ram. There's always a cow that needs a sulfur bolus or two because she's sick. Or, there, there's always something. So we're outside all the time. But I got thinking, you know, more folks had smaller houses, less technology. They would spend more time together. Like for us, one thing we love to do is play cards. And rummy 
gin, things like that. We we play them them kind of card games. Rummy's kind of a family game, kind of a wife's deal. There's been times we've stayed up until midnight, one o'clock in the morning on a cold winter night, just playing cards as a family. No cell phones, maybe a few treats, you know, mom will make up a cheesecake, and uh, I'll put, you know, uh, salami and cheese and crackers out, grab a soda pop. We're not big alcohol drinkers, so we usually, that's not what our card games consist of. It's kind of a family affair. So, for us, that kind of, kind of seems like a fun night. And we, and, you know, I mean, we've been doing this for years, so before we had cellular phones and all that stuff, so it just kind of becomes an arm, you know, when it's cold or not. We've had friends over, had good times, but we were talking this evening, and we said, now we just got to get the, get the card table in here. You know, and our card table at home in the house is just our kitchen table. Our kitchen table is a big plank table that I build out of wood. I'm proud of it. And I think a kitchen table is the most important piece of furniture in the house. It's where it's where you're going to eat your meals together. You're going to pray together. You're going to have family discussions and business meetings together. You're going to discuss your children's future. You're going to discuss your future with your wife. You're going to discuss the problems church or school or whatever which is another subject for another day not a whole lot of people go to church anymore and i don't really care what christian church you go to i do think that it's important that you go to a christian church and you become involved with a christian church a lot of people say you know i'd rather be on the lake thinking about god than be in a church thinking about fishing and i kind of understand that but in my opinion the reason that we have churches is because when we all congregate together and we get a visit with one another and we get to see one another, a lot of times everybody's got God and Jesus on their mind because that's what whoever teaches a lesson talks about. You're thinking about helping people. And so when you get together once a week on Sunday and you get to help one and you know, talk to one another and you get to find out, well, Wood or Smith down the road needs a little firewood. You know, let's get together and get her some firewood. You know, Mr. and Mrs. Jones going through a hard time. Has anybody got a little beef to spare? You know, that, that's why church to me is important. So being on a lake thinking about God is, is nice, but it's a little bit selfish. That's why I think church is important. And, and uh, you know, it used to be on Sunday, every small town in America was flat shut down. Even big towns in America were shut down. And now Sunday's just another day. Most people have it as a day off, but it's just another day. And so uh, in my opinion... The smaller the house you have, even though you might not have this big, luxurious home with everybody having their own bedroom and everybody having their own bathroom and everybody having their own electronic device to stay connected to the outside world and disconnected from their family, the smaller the house and the poorer you are, the better off you're going to be in the long run. I can promise you that. You know, it's kind of like, you know, if you're a poor family... Saturday night, Sunday night rolls around and the Sunday night movie comes on TV. You make up a bowl of homemade popcorn, you put a little bit of homemade butter on it and sprinkle a little salt on it like my grandpa used to do. We always use Jolly Time popcorn, it's family tradition. And you sit around there and, and you watch a movie together and you bond. And if you're poor, 
that might be all you can afford to do. And then down the road, there's a rich guy with a great big fancy house, and all of his kids have their own fancy cars, and they're all hating each other and fighting because one of them might have looked at the other one the wrong way. One of them might have touched the other one's foot underneath the dinner table, if they even have dinner together anymore. So they're going to get in their car and go out with their friends and go to their clubs because their friends are important to them, not their family. And then when the rich guy dies, his kids don't join together and mourn over him. Maybe even if they do, it only lasts five minutes, and then the fight starts. They fight over the money. And the poor kids, when their daddy dies, they ain't going to have enough money hardly to bury him. And they're going to put it together and they're going to bury him. And they're not really going to give a shit about a few thousand dollars dad may have in his bank account. They just want their daddy back. They just want their Sunday nights with homemade popcorn. And everybody snuggled under three or four blankets under the, you know, covers on the same couch together. Tossing root beers back and forth. That's the good stuff. That's that that's That's why... You know, it's important to have money, and I've been pretty blessed the last, oh, 10 years. My business has done very well. We had a lot of poor times. We still are not rich people. I do a lot of things a lot of people don't do, and and I live a lot differently than a lot of others do. Yeah, a lot of that other stuff is nice, but do you have to have it? No. You know, it's just sales pitches. Is all it is, sales pitches. You know, I mean, I wear, I wear blue Wrangler jeans every day of my life. And that's all I ever wear, and I like them because they're cheaper than Cinch or some of them other new fad, them Times Ranch jeans. You, you couldn't get me to buy a pair of them. The price of them, some bitches, good hell. Nothing, nothing saying there's nothing wrong with them or whatever. I never wore a pair. But the blue Wrangler jeans last me forever. And, and they take a beating. They take a beating like a redheaded stepchild. And if they get holes in them, I'll have my wife patch them sometimes. I'll still work in them. I don't give a shit. But, you know, money's necessary to have. But if it becomes your God, and it becomes all you want, you're in for pure misery. And so, being poor doesn't always mean that you're poor. You might be poor monetarily. But celestially... And, you know, even morally, you're going to be way better off. You know, stop coveting all those fancy things other people have. You know, if you want nicer things, go work harder and buy nicer things. But the only thing I want more money for is so I can buy more land and more cows and create more work. Because that's all I really want to do. And I could live the rest of my life in that little bit of cabin that we just built with my family. And... Be plumb happy. Because as long as I got my family around me, and we can all play cards and throw these damn phones away, we're going to be better off. Those are the memories. Those are, That's the good stuff. When you see your little kids grow up and they start learning to add and subtract and, and count things up and, and color code things and put your cards together with your suits and your numbers and whatnot, that's the good stuff. That's how them kids grow up. You know, and you watch them struggle with them when they're four, five, six, seven, eight. And they start catching on, and it makes their ticker think, and you get a laugh and joke, and 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 that's the good stuff, you know. So building this cabin kind of took me back when I hung that picture up. It took me back to that that winter of, of 1994. It was actually, I think it was the winter of 93, 94 that we built that bedroom of mine downstairs. Me and my dad did. 
and uh, you know my dad was was a good dad in a lot of ways uh, he was a good friend and he was a pretty good dad uh, give me a lot of opportunities you know that same winter never ever erase this memory from my mind we were we used to go over to Afton Wyoming to rope in a barn in an indoor arena with with some friends the Broadhead family they were very very close friends very very remarkable people extremely talented I've never ever known an entire family of people that roped as good as the Broadhead family they just old man old Doug Broadhead was a was a good cowboy he was a basketball coach um, a little bit of a drill sergeant he used to have a saying there's two types of soldiers the quick and the dead and him and my dad became good friends and then of course he had boys that were around my age and we all kind of grew up together and we spent a lot of time there in Star Valley Wyoming which is 40 miles away well dad and I every Tuesday or Wednesday night or something we'd go over there and we would rope we had a little Ford pickup truck a little two-horse side-by-side trailer and we'd each load our good old trusty steed in, in the trailer going over there to Afton in the wintertime we'd drive I mean 45 50 mile an hour nine times out of ten was in four-wheel drive roads were snow-packed we just went over there to rope we're starting up Montpelier Canyon just past if, if any of you are all familiar with Montpelier Canyon just past home canyon you get into the narrows of Montpelier Canyon and there's a real real steep mountainside on both sides almost damn near straight up and down and dad always told me there was great big bucks in that canyon that would stay in that deep dark timber on that steep steep mountainside and he said that the, the creeks just a few hundred yards below but it's so rugged and so rough nobody will hunt it so then big bucks will just hang there well this is probably coming on first part of December right after Thanksgiving 1993 and we're starting just into the narrows of that canyon and and we're puttering along you know at 35 40 to slow down to go through these switchbacks and there's I look and there's a gap in the willows and this all happened in about one and a half seconds I got a look at a great big buck mule deer buck I mean this thing was drop dead gorgeous he was a beautiful deer he I don't know how big he was so I'm just gonna tell you that I thought he was a 30 inch buck I mean and the spread of his horns was 30 inches wide from outside tip to outside tip which maybe he wasn't that big and maybe he was bigger all I know is he was a big buck and he had real deep dark beautiful horns that had been polished on that dark timber that high mountain Idaho dark timber and as he lifted his head up from the water his front legs were in the creek beautiful crystal clear stream Montpelier Creek as he lifted his head from that water the water dripped from his mouth and me and that buck locked eyes for just a split second I was sitting in the passenger side had a cup of hot chocolate between my legs I was staring out this window and I saw this great big buck my dad didn't seem to be driving and I mean you know here I just done shot a little two-point come hunting season earlier that fall and which was fine with me but that was the monarch of the mountain that I will always honor and I would always tip my hat to and I told I was so excited I said dad I just saw a great big buck and he said oh you did and I said no dad this thing was huge four points on each side I mean he, he was huge and dad's like yeah I believe it I tell you there's a lot of big bucks in there and dad kind of went on and told me a few hunt stories and this and that 
and uh, you know I never realized the value of that moment but I do now because it's a memory and uh, one day I hope to kill a buck as, as big as that one and hang him on my wall and then on the other hand a lot of times I just like to look at that big buck like that one more time and say I could kill you and I don't want to because that buck goes through what it takes to grow them big horns he's earned them he's earned them so you got to tip your hat to him but but like i say building this cabin and finishing things up on it and being able to have a meal in there and spend some time with my family out in the middle of nowhere north texas we're not that far from the panhandle it gets a little bit windy and and uh you know it's kind of neat last night we were watching tv as a family together and we watched john wayne and red river it's a great show old black and white great movie uh that's what we're into you know don't be trendy i'm gonna tell you something about being trendy when you get into something because it's the fad it's the trend and everybody's doing it if you wait for 10 minutes it's not going to be the deal anymore it's going to be out of style so you're better off to just like what you like because no matter what you like your likes and your personality and you are not going to go out of style Everybody else is going to chase the new thing and the new colors and the new designs and the new models and the new clothing, the new cars, but you just stick to what you like, and then you'll never have to worry about it, never have to care. But I'll tell you what, if you could ever come up with a project to do with your kids, I'd recommend it, because one day it'll be a memory. Get your kids involved and let them work and let them learn let them screw up, because that's how you learn stuff is by screwing up. You know, we actually hung a board on the wall when we were building this deal on the finished boards on the, on the walls. One of them was just a little bit crooked. My little 10-year-old boy was the one that screwed that up into place. I let him use a drill gun and it just a tick off. I could have took it off and fixed it, and I'm not going to. I'm going to leave it crooked. Hopefully when I'm 80. I'll be able to take one of his kids in there when they're little, and I'll be able to show them where their daddy screwed that up and how proud I was of him for doing it, because I was proud of him. So just a little podcast from somewhere on the plains of Texas, a little conversation that I just wanted to have with y'all and tell you how much memories are and how much my good memories as my dad meant to me. And family's real important to me, so hope this finds y'all well, and... and uh, Appreciate y'all listening to my podcast and stepping in. You can get a hold of me. Find me, track me down. We'll talk about something else if you want to. Anyways, for now, i got to go. Have a good one. God bless.